Dig. And I'm Hannah Hampton, and you're listening to HR After Hours. Well, all right. Welcome to HR After Hours, yes. the only HR podcast that will, I don't know, ask your parents the questions you're afraid to, like, <laughs> where do they keep running off to for all those mysterious long weekends? And come on, which child do they like the most? Mm. It's Danny, isn't it? It is Danny. If you only knew, that is just total bullshit. Hannah Hampton, H squared. How the hell are you today? I am wonderful. How about you? Doing pretty well, pretty well. We haven't been on the mic in a while, and we had our our little brief conversation. It was kind of like, ooh, what are we working with today? Yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it's a it's it's been it's a bit full of sass. Full of sass, I can tell. I did want to mention, I know you have something for us. We actually got a few emails on our new podcast. This is not an HR podcast. And they said they just think everything's great, but we should argue more. So I'll pick a fight with you next episode. How's that sound? Fine by me. (laughs) All right. What do you got for us today? Sounds great. Okay. So as, as, we talk about many times in our podcast. HR Dive is one of my favorite HR news sources. And they had an article they posted earlier this week. So it was published on November 4th. And I like the title. It said, some employees are, quote, working dead, unmotivated Ooh. with no plans to leave. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk through kind of their dive. And I want us to talk a little bit if we've got experience with this and just our thoughts. But it said, Nearly 50% of of employees surveyed by Perceptics said they were unhappy at work. That is a lot. Half half the employees that were surveyed said they were unhappy at work, while some said they were burned out and ready to quit. 34% of employees surveyed said they were discontent, unmotivated, but had no plans to leave. Oh, right. Clock watchers. Yeah, yeah. So these t- discontented employees that Perceptix called the disconnected show disfatis- dissatisfaction in various ways, according to the report, which was released on October 28th. So that just came out. They are 44 times less likely than energized employees to recommend their employer, 50 times more likely to indicate that they don't understand the expectations of their role, each department or company, and unlikely to recommend an organization's product or services. Yikes. I mean, you and I have talked about this in that we both said we wouldn't work for places that we wouldn't, you know, buy from, shop from, support. So it just seems like there's a bunch of disengaged employees out there, but they're unwilling or un- I don't know. Unwilling to leave? That's crazy to me. They're so unmotivated, Hannah, that they're unmotivated to even look for something else out there. That sounds like a pretty intense level of disengagement. That's really that's really sad. And this is to me, you know, now I'm going to give you my HR advice again, not legal advice. We never give legal advice, but I feel like it's more important now than ever to check in with your employees. I think you need to make sure your managers are trained on one-on-ones to check in to see how people are doing, uh, doing some pulse surveys, making just doing those check-ins because I think you know people will continue to be discontent and, and move along uh, on their daily lives with probably doing the bare minimum or doing subpar work. And that is could be a little frustrating to deal with, especially if you've got some 
high-performing employees who are engaged, sometimes the disengaged employees can, can affect your engaged employees. So this is a problem. Now, before we talk about it, I will say in my very first job after I graduated from college, I had a friend who was considered you know, unmotiv- unmotivated and hated their job. And basically their joke was, they're like, I quit, but I just still kept coming to work. <laughs> so, which I always thought was hilarious at, at the time. And then now that I'm in, I was not in HR at the time. So of course I just thought it was funny. But now I look back and I'm like, woof, that is not a good thing. Well, eventually the employer did catch on and helped him along his little way to to the next career or his next job. But certainly, I mean, I, I feel like we have all experienced a coworker who basically quit but just kept coming to work. So Mick, have you have you worked with that person? What's your experience with this? What are your thoughts? I am very well versed in this phenomenon as or as what I've diagnosed as office space syndrome. Mm. Um, oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. You know, my my favorite line from that is notice you've been w- missing a lot of work there lately. And his response is, wouldn't say I've actually been missing it, Bob. <laughs> um, no, I mean it's it's brutal. I've I've had I've been the boss who's had to deal with this syndrome. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really tough, especially when you work in a small group environment and and you bounce off each other so much. And, and it's really tough when someone you're close to is a coworker or you collaborate with all of a sudden just kind of checks out mm-hmm. because it hurts your vibe. You know, I know I've gone a little hippie lately. I don't know, but it's I definitely think that work should be an organic vibe and people feed off of each other. And sure. that's part how you start that positive work experience, constantly pointing out the positive and always being a glass half full person. And I know that's got to be killing you inside, Hannah, to hear me say that because you've witnessed me not be that person. <laughs> before. So I know it's, it's you're kind of like, what kind of bullshit is this? But I'll tell you, I have, I have a business partner that, we really this year talked about focusing on positive energy when we lead our calls. It's not just the recognition and celebration. It's bringing, talking about the positive on everything, even saying, okay, well, this didn't work out for us, but let's look at this in a positive light. What have we learned about it? What, what do we need to do differently? How can we work together to fit this common goal? And I know this sounds so kumbaya-ish, but you know, that's how I'm trying to battle this myself. I really think it comes down to there's still so much uncertainty outside of work that I think people are having a hard time focusing at work. Positive is great, but certainly that is only one piece of that puzzle. So how, you know, then it's like thinking even more like, well, how outside of, of being a positive leader, what else needs to happen to get people either reengaged or, you know, maybe helping them move on to to the next because well, I think you nailed it earlier when mm-hmm. you said you've got to get the surveys. You gotta find out what is it with any business plan or any like complete outlook on things, you've got to determine what can I control or impact and what right. is out of my control. You know, get them to tell you what they're struggling with, see if there was a certain change in policy or anything 
because there's going to be things we can help with and we can Mm -hmm. try to improve this situation, you know, have fewer cases of office space syndrome, but we also are going to find out there are things that are out of our control. Oh, of course, of course. And it's, it's, I feel like it's going to be an interesting one, two, five years. Obviously the pandemic has changed so many things and I know, oh my gosh, Hannah's talking about the pandemic again, but it really, you know, I feel like it's changed so much. I mean, of course, uh, you're going to see more and more remote and hybrid jobs out there. Uh, you're going to see more and more focus on mental health. I've seen a lot of people trying to battle the 40-hour work week, saying that that's, uh, you know, that needs to change as well as like, you know, your energy levels, your, your focus levels ebb and flow. I, I feel like that that's, I feel like that's the next battle is correcting or finding that, that I guess, finding the perfect uh, amount of hours to work each week, which maybe it's not 40 every week, maybe it's 50 one week, maybe it's 30 the next, I don't know. But I feel like that we're, it's, a, it's a referendum of, of sorts where people are really looking at how we work and what's important. Because I think I listened to a podcast, a different, I can't remember which one it was, so I apologize, but it was, it was a woman who was talking about how she had worked, basically she gave up her life for her career and was working, you know, 18 hour days, pandemic happened, uh, she was furloughed and realized she was missing out on so much of her life. She changed careers because she's like, I'm never going back to that again. So how many people are in that mindset of I'm never going back to that again? And how is corporate America going to respond to that? So here's something that you may find humorous. You and I did zero prep on this subject. We did. (laughs) Zero. You know, (laughs) I said, what do you want to talk about? You and I couldn't agree on anything. Mostly on my end. You know, we we mentioned COVID. I'm like, no. And (laughs) And I took it back in. You finally, you know, we started joking around because you you were like, well, can we remove that stick from your ass before we start recording? And so we started joshing around and talking. So there was no prep. And so what I'm about to say is going to sound, someone's going to call bullshit on it and say, no, this is really what you want to talk about. What I think you're, you were so right on so many things so quickly about the issues with the work week and, and just the people adjusting from it is, it's all COVID related. And, you know, everyone has not felt the full effects of what's going on emotionally, mentally, socially, et cetera. But I do think work needs to change in the fact of the way it's formatted. You are right. There are weeks that you can get everything done in 35 hours. There are weeks you you do need to work 40 to 43. There are weeks that may only be 20 hours worth of work. If we ever really wanna see the workplace change in a productive and positive manner, Mm -hmm. we need someone to take the lead and create the task-based work week. Yeah. Someone and just needs to do it. And still pay a living wage. And that's yeah, my big got, controversial, absolutely. but that is another big problem out there. And I apologize because I know that that kind of is, is trickling into very political places, but people need to be paid a living wage in order to be connected, in order to have less stress and uh, have less burnout. Money is the money's the root of all evil, right? But money is the root of a lot of issues and a lot of stress in people's world. So I think that those are, yeah, I love that of a flexible, a flexible work week 
and continuing to pay a living wage. People need to be able to support themselves. And with inflation and the way that uh, money money is acting right now, it's a scary, it's kind of, it's a scary place. But we need to ensure that we're paying people fairly and paying something that they can live on. Absolutely. And I think this totally goes into all levels of employment and career levels. I mean, if you're a lawyer, you should have a, a, a schedule that says these are the things I have to get accomplished mm-hmm. to successfully do my job. And when those things are done, I am done because I have other responsibilities as a human being. I mean, I know I'm starting to really sound kumbaya-ish, but seriously, that's what it comes down to. And can I add one other thing? Well, of course. there's always tomorrow. It's really easy, you know, just kind of get, I I love when I'm in the zone. However, I don't love it when I look up at the clock and it's like, holy shit, I've been working for 12 hours straight. Like, uh, there's always tomorrow. And, um, you know, unless like you're performing the surgery, I always say, thank God, you know, we're not surgeons here. Nobody's dying on the table, but there's always tomorrow. So, you know, set set boundaries, especially for those who, you know, have been working a hybrid or have been working remotely and maybe they hadn't in the past. Set boundaries, because I think that lack of boundaries has also been a problem and also recognized by people. They need those boundaries. They need to stop working. I It's... Having our beautiful, wonderful smartphones is great, but it also has started to erase boundaries that used to exist before technology made it possible to work from anywhere and everywhere. So I think that that's something we need to be cognizant of. I think it's great. Like, hey, if you want to go work from another state for a week or two, that's really cool. But also make sure you live your life and have a have a life outside of work. Enjoy your life. You've got only one. I know, again, now we're start we're really being kubayai, but that's okay. Because I think it's super important. You don't look back on your life, you know, at the, at the end of your life, you're not looking back saying, I wish I'd worked more. You're thinking, man, I wish I had more experiences. I wish I had spent more time with loved ones. I, I love my people. Do that. Make that change now. I'll reel us in since I'm the one that kind of created this big utopian mm-hmm. type of scenario here. Let's try to diagnose and solve this problem. The problem, I think, is pretty easy because these are things that Hannah and I have been discussing for the two years we've been doing this together. Got to really survey your people and you've mm-hmm. got to find out Listen. what they're happy about, Listen what they're not them. happy about. Mm-hmm. But as Hannah was saying, it's about listening. And when you listen, you've got to listen to the individual. This is the age of managing to the individual, not the masses, not expecting a cookie cutter type of team, you know, team member. You have got to learn who your people are, what makes them tick. And if you really invest your time and energy into doing that, Not only will you do all those blanket things that we've said before, like improve retention, which improves sales or whatever your business is, but what you'll do is you'll learn how to get the most out of that person and what you can do on your end to keep them engaged. What motivates them? What do they really care about? And sometimes it's just a simple it could be a, a 30 minute schedule change mm-hmm. on one day of the week because they're busting out of there to get to their kids uh, extracurricular activity or sporting event. But it's so much more work with your people, learn more about them. That's how you'll get the most out of them. And, and you're going to find some people. It's, there's other things and they've got to go. 
but awesome. it's I, it's about what can you what's a win-win you find those win-wins and i think that's going to be the future of success in business no absolutely absolutely and the listening is so important because you know i'll, I'll give examples we all know that attendance especially for some roles you have to show up to work on time uh and some roles you don't if you have a job where it's not you know if somebody shows up at 10 o'clock or they show up at eight o'clock or whatever and it's and, and work just gets done i'm like first of all don't be a dick about attendance so that's number one number two and if, if you are in a in a role or your company where attendance is crucial like sh- having shifts start so that your customers get served and somebody has problems or issues with showing up on time sit down and talk to them and try to understand why find out maybe there's a maybe they don't have reliable transportation and the bus schedule doesn't allow for them to get there at that time or you know maybe you know there's something going on at home i feel like oh, people are just so quick to you're late you're late you're late you're fired how about you're late you're late ask them try to find out what happened you know i feel like there's situations you you learn a little bit more about someone's personal life maybe they're trying to get a kid off to school and it's difficult to be there like let's talk about okay can we shift a schedule can we shift their start time can they be later in the day can we move things around i think there's so much going on. I will tell you a personal story. This happened to me where I worked at a job and I was late regularly. And it was because I took the first bus I could get in the morning. And it a lot of times didn't get me there on time. I was 15 minutes late. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm taking the first bus that comes to where <laughs> I live. Now, I did work with somebody and they're like, why don't you get a car? And I'm like, okay, yeah, let me just like magically have the money to buy a car, you know, but I luckily I was able to work with the person and figure something out and we worked it out. But I'm like, yes, I am taking the very first bus of the day. I'm like, unless you can make the buses send a bus sooner, this is when you're going to get me because this is as early as I can get here in my personal situation without a car taking public transportation. We need to listen. We need to understand. We need to treat people like humans. We need to put the human back into human resources. Hannah Hampton, have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>